let's go ahead and get into this, y'all. I'm, I'm very, very excited because there is a, a word that I believe that God has put onto my heart for you specifically today. And so many people, we go through life trying to figure out, you know, what is my purpose, right? What, what's my purpose? What am I trying to do in my life? What's the thing that I need to, uh, what's my calling, right? That's something that I hear a lot of young Christians say, especially that's kind of a Christianese sort of a word, right, y'all? And, and what's my calling? What are we, what am I supposed to be doing in my life? But I don't think that's necessarily the right question to be asking. I don't think it's the right question to be asking because I, I think it's more difficult to figure out, okay, how do I find my purpose, and also, where do I find it? You know what I mean? Like, where do I find my purpose? These are some other questions that I think might be a little bit more relevant for us today. And so what I want to do is, is tell you the title of my message today, and we're going to type this in the comments. The title of my message today, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do that, is There's Purpose in It. So what I want all the people that are here in this room today, we have six people that are part of our production crew here. I want you to say, There is Purpose in it. There's purpose in it. Type that in the comments, y'all, uh, and then we will get started. Come on. So the first thing, if you are taking notes, I want you to write this down, is that there is purpose in your waiting. There's purpose in your waiting. Nobody likes to wait, right? I don't like to wait for just about anything, specifically people. I do not like to wait on people, all right? I, I was just talking actually this morning about a time that, and this is kind of funny, I wasn't planning on doing this or talking about this, but I was just talking about how I was late for worship practice one time. I was a worship pastor in, in the San Antonio area and I had slept in, I didn't set my alarm. Uh, and Tim, our worship pastor, uh, woke me up by banging on my apartment window to wake me up, okay? And so I, I used to not be like this, right? But as I've gotten older, I think I've started to get earlier and earlier when there's a time for me to be somewhere. And so I get there early and earlier. Now I'm at the point, I might be a grumpy old man already at 28 years old, but I already feel like that I don't like to wait on people and I like to be early to stuff, okay? But nobody really likes to wait on anything. There's a reason why. Uh, we don't cook things the way that we used to anymore. Now, some people might do. We have a, an awesome person here that is an amazing, amazing cook. Her name is Mary. She's taking photos here today. She cooks everything just about home cooked, right? I mean, you guys hardly ever eat out or anything like that. Uh, but listen, there is a reason why they created fast food chains. And it is for people like me that do not like to wait. I'm on the go. I am moving. We all have things to do in our lives, whether you're taking your kids from our practice to another practice, picking them up from school, you got work. You got, you got school yourself, right? Whatever it is that you're doing, uh, we don't like to wait. And so we go pick up some fast food and, and even better, we have microwaves, y'all. So you can have your pizza rolls as fast as you want, guys. Your bagel bites, they won't be as good as when you put them in the oven. You can, you can defrost that chicken, maybe cook it a little faster, right? You can do all kinds of things, but we don't like to wait. There's a reason. And I remember also, uh, how many of y'all remember Blockbuster? Come on, we have Blockbuster video. <laughs> Kylan, is, we're gonna have some claps in the back, okay? Uh, blockbuster video. I loved going to Blockbuster with my dad. One of my favorite things to do was going with him. And there was just something kind of special, right, guys, about just going and, and, and picking out a, a video, picking out a movie, or even, if you were like me, picking out a video game that you got to play on your original PlayStation. You know what I'm saying? You got to pick out a video game. It was so much fun. Uh, and then Netflix came along, right? And they just wrecked all of their plans, okay? You know, Blockbuster tried to keep up, but they didn't innovate fast enough. And the reason that Netflix took over is because people 
people didn't want to wait on their movies. They tried to do the whole thing where they'd send you the movies, but like it didn't really work, you know. Finally, they just did on demand. It's on demand. It's you sit down, you click it, and bam, the movie starts. We were all just like, what? This is amazing. This is so much better. And now there's Netflix, Hulu, Prime, Peacock. Too many of them. I'm just saying there's too many of these streaming services now. And But why is there so many of these streaming services is because they have realized and understood that there's a market there because people don't like to wait. And then lastly, I don't know if y'all remember. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys remember this. Dial-up internet. Come on now. Dial-up internet. We wouldn't even be able to stream what we're doing right now. This whole setup we have wouldn't even be possible on that internet, I feel like. And, and, and all of you, I think, remember as kids or whatever in, you know, the, the I guess, late 80s, 90s and all that time, uh, you remember that horrible, horrible sound that would come out of your computer. I don't even know if I could, it's like, you know, like if your kids heard that coming out of your computer today, they would run in the room and be like, mom, dad, like what is wrong with your computer? Like we need to get that fixed. There is something wrong with your computer. But back in the day, that was just how you got on the internet, you know, but now we have Google fiber, right? And it goes so fast. We don't have it here in Plum Creek and it makes me very, very upset. Uh, but I know some people in San Antonio and Austin, they might have this ridiculous, you know, gigabit speeds and all that where you can download a movie in seconds. Back in the 90s, if you tried to download a movie, it would take, I mean, you didn't even have the ability to download movies, but it would take weeks to download a movie, right? And so now we have all that ability in seconds. The point is, is that we're not good at waiting. We're not good at it. And one of the greatest stories of waiting is actually found in the Bible, and it is King David. And you can find the story of King David. It's through First and Second Samuel, but I'm going to kind of summarize this a little bit for you today. David was a shepherd, and he was anointed the king of Israel uh, by a prophet as a teenager. And then he goes and he ends up killing Goliath. I'm sure you know the story of David and Goliath, whether you watched it on Veggie Tales or you read your Bible on a regular basis. Come on, I know that you know the story of David and Goliath. And you might think after being anointed king and killing Goliath, he might be like, you know what? This is it. This is my time to, to step into my calling. You know, I've, I've, I've taken off the head of the massive Philistine man, this giant man who was coming against the army of God. And, and, and now this is my time to step into all that God has for me. This is going to be my purpose. I can't wait until now I'm going to be the king of Israel. Nope, that's not what happens. You would think, but that's not what happens. What does David end up doing? He actually goes back to tending the sheep. Isn't that interesting? He goes back to tending the sheep, to being a shepherd boy again? Uh, that, that doesn't really make any sense. And then, and then he's not actually the king, but he, he is a uh, kind of like an armor bearer. He pl would play the harp for King Saul, who was the king. He was in the king's court, but he, he wasn't the king yet. You would think that that would have been it, right? But no, no, that's, that's not how it happened. Actually, David waited almost 15 to 20 years, they believe, before he finally stepped into the role of king of all of Israel. He was first king of Judah and then of all of Israel, but it took almost 20 years for him to step into that role. That is a long, long time to be waiting seemingly for your purpose. And I think the problem that we have as, as Americans, right, and the problem that we have as just people in general is we're always looking towards what's next. We're always looking for the next thing that's coming up, the next thing that's around the corner. What can I do next and step into next? I'm trying to move my life along and, and things are not happening as fast as I would like them to. But we forget 
to think about the right now. We forget to think about what God wants to do in your life today, not necessarily tomorrow. We try to always think about what's next. So what I want to encourage you with right now is just kind of a little precursor as we go into this message is, what is the last thing that God told you to do? What is the last thing that he said for you to do? Go out and do that. <laughs> I think that's such an easy way to think of purpose is, is if you don't know what your calling is, you don't know what your purpose is per se, what's the last thing he said to do? Just go out and do that and then do it some more until he officially opens that door for you. I would almost even say do it so much until God has to like kick you through the door and say, hey, this is it. I'm confirming this for you. Go through this next door. So many of you, and me included, I understand. We'll go from job to job, right? Trying to find that thing that's gonna fulfill us. We'll go from relationship to relationship. Young people, you know what I'm talking about. Not even just young people, but maybe even older people. You might've gone through a divorce and, and you might've been married a couple of times. Why? Because we're going from thing to thing to try to have that fulfillment. What's my purpose? Who am I supposed to be with? What am I supposed to be doing? And we keep moving from thing to thing. Also church people, Man, we're terrible at this. We go from church to church to church, you know what I'm saying? We're trying to figure out where is the place that we're supposed to be? Where is my purpose? Where can I get involved in? And what I would encourage you to do is instead of trying to move so fast into your purpose, what if you just jumped into all that God had for you in the here and right now? What if you would just jump into what he's doing in your life today and stop thinking about what's coming up tomorrow? And sometimes I think actually that if you got all of the things that God had for you and, and he told you everything that was coming up, you might not be able to handle it. You might not be able to handle everything that God has for you because you're not ready for it. There might be a process that he, wanna takes you on, that he might wanna take you on and we're gonna talk about that in just a second. You know, many people, we all know the story of David getting anointed king and Maybe the story of David defeating Goliath, right? What an incredible story of him becoming the king of Israel. And usually I think we would all say like, wow, like that was David's purpose. Like that was his purpose was to step into that role as the king over all of Israel. And those 15 to 20 years, man, that must have been brutal. That must have been brutal. Just waiting around, not being able to really do anything, hiding from King Saul, who was uh, his actual, his best friend's dad, okay? So King Saul is like trying to fight David and he's chasing him down. And so David is actually hiding in caves for a lot of that time. He's hiding in these random cities and, and doing things to stay away from Saul so he doesn't get killed. He's not being able to fulfill his purpose. Oh, that must've really stunk for him. What I wanna tell you that that's not true. We know those big stories, and I think a lot of times we look at uh, people's lives by the highlight reels, right? We see the big moments, David and Goliath, him getting anointed, him becoming king, all this stuff. But we don't look at the in-between, read between the lines and see all of the chapters in the Bible about King David and his life before he actually became the king. God used David during those years to do many, many things. He actually uh, liberated the people of Keilah from the Philistines. He carried out many raids against the enemies of Israel during that time. And actually, this is interesting. When he returns from a battle at one point, he finds the city of Ziklag. That's where he had been staying for a period of time. It had been ransacked, pillaged, the, their wives and their children, their families, everything, all their possessions were taken away from them. And David chases them down, defeats the Amalekites, right? And then gets back everything that was taken, including their families. And also, I think the most important thing that David does during this time is actually he writes 
many of the Psalms that you and I read today. If you didn't know that, David was one of the main authors of the book of Psalms that you'll find. It's in the Old Testament, kind of somewhere in the middle. If you open up about a third of the way through, you should find it there. And I'm going to read one Psalm to you that I think is really interesting that David wrote. Psalm 27, 14, it says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. David understood that his purpose wasn't for him to become king someday, but that his purpose was to serve God every day. That was his purpose. Not just to become king and do something big in the future, but to serve God right here and right now. And I wanna encourage you, that is your purpose too. That's the same purpose that we all have is to serve God every single day of our lives. Don't always be looking to the future and don't always be looking, what is my purpose? Recognize that it is in the here and the right now. Your purpose is not tomorrow, it's today, y'all. I mean, every day that you wake up, every decision that you make, everything that you do is not moving you either toward or away from your purpose. So we think of it as like, am I going toward my purpose? Am I going away from my purpose? As if it's something that's far away. No, no, no. God has something for you today that he wants you to accomplish. So many young people, especially, I see, they get caught up in trying to figure out what their purpose is, that they actually get frozen and then they just don't do anything at all. They let it, they let it eat at them so much that they don't understand what's my purpose and they, they try to ask God so many times and maybe they don't feel like they get an answer. And so they end up doing nothing and many of them actually will walk away from the faith because they feel like they can't hear God when God is saying, listen, your purpose is every day. It's right now. It's just what you're doing is talking to me, communing with me, having a relationship with me, helping others find me. Man, that is it. And we are always looking towards that next thing because we don't like to wait. So there's purpose in your waiting. Somebody say, there's purpose in it. Purpose Come on now, type it in the chat. There is purpose in it. The second point today, if you're taking notes, is that there is purpose in your pain. There is purpose in your pain. This one's tough, if I'm being honest, because most people would say they hate pain, okay? I mean, I'm not like somebody that, you know, I'm not a glutton for punishment, okay? Like I'm not trying to, uh, to, to, to take on more pain than I have to. And people will say that they hate pain, but I actually don't think that that's true. I, I really don't think that you hate all kinds of pain. The pain that people do hate is pain without a purpose. Nobody likes pain without a purpose. Maybe something bad happens to you. You get in a car wreck or somebody close to you does, or um, maybe your spouse cheats on you. Your boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you. You lose a job or somebody you know that's close to you loses a battle to cancer or somebody tests positive for COVID-19 and you might lose that person. That just seems like there's no purpose in those things. And, and sometimes that stuff is what eats at us the most, the pain that happens. And you're just like, why, why is this happening? But the truth is, is that people can endure a lot of pain if there is a purpose in it. Uh, I used to lift a lot of weights. Actually, with Alec here, we used to lift weights all the time together, okay? Uh, and we need to get back into this. I know we, we, we've been talking about it. We need to do it. Uh, but I don't know how many of you lift weights, but it is not very comfortable, okay? It's, it's not good. You don't like it. It's painful, especially if you're doing it the right way. I know a lot of you will go into the gym for, you know, 30 minutes and you'll lift a couple of five pound weights and you, you know, get on the treadmill for 10 minutes and you call it good, you know, but if you're really, really trying to make a difference in the way that your body looks and feels, 
You're going to actually have to put yourself through some pain to get there, okay? And what do you get at the end of it, though? You get some chiseled, good-looking, Thor kind of looking muscles. You know what I'm saying? You look good at the end of that. That was painful, but there was a benefit. There was a purpose. My friend Bryce, uh, he actually ended up having a, a rare form of cancer called Ewing sarcoma, and it was in his arm, and we didn't even realize it. We worked together at a church in Oklahoma for four, four and a half years. And we didn't even realize what it was for the long time. They finally figured it out. They said, you know what? You're going to have to go through chemo. You're going to have to go through radiation to try to get this thing out of here. We're going to have to do all kinds of different things. How many of you know that chemotherapy is not fun? Chemotherapy is painful. It, it takes a toll on your body. I mean, he, he lost all of his hair, his eyebrows, his, his, his lips were chapped all the time. You know, he even gained weight and, and he was down and out for a lot of that period, hopeful because he had trust and faith in Jesus, but still, I mean, it's just tough. You know, it's painful. It's not an easy thing to go through, but that pain led to Bryce ending up being cancer-free, y'all, and now he has two kids. He had one kid at the time, but, and the doctor said he'd never be able to have a kid again. Now they have two children, and now he's the youth pastor at James River out in Missouri, which is an amazing church out there, and so God has been faithful to him, but, but that chemotherapy that he went through, that radiation and all those the trips to the doctor and all that stuff, it had a purpose, and that was so that he could have life after it, that he could preserve his life. And then all of you ladies out there, you might already know where I'm going with this, women. Uh, labor and delivery, y'all. I mean, come on. I, I'm so gracious or grateful to my wife, Lindsay, who's watching online right now. Baby, I love you so much. Uh, she gave us a wonderful son. His name is Oakland. He is two years old, and I love him. I love him. I love him to death. He's so adorable. Uh, and I, I just absolutely have so much respect for women that go through labor and delivery because it's hard, it's painful, it's difficult. But what's the beauty of it at the end is that you have that moment when you get to hold that baby, right? And it's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing, okay? And so we know that there is a payoff, there's a purpose in the end. So the question I have for you is what's your perspective on pain? What is your perspective on pain? Because in the first example, the pain of lifting weights produces strength, and that's a good thing. And the second, the pain of chemotherapy saved Bryce's life and gave him many more years. And then the third, the labor and delivery actually produced life. How interesting that pain does these things for us. In Romans 8, 28, I want to tell you a little bit more about pain. It says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. They've been called according to his purpose and all things work together for the good of those who love him. In life, it's inevitable that you're gonna go through some stuff, right? Jesus said in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You're gonna go through some stuff, but you can always count on Jesus that he's gonna be there in the thick of it. In every situation, I want you to know and I want you to remember that God is bigger, amen? No matter what pain, no matter what struggle, what worry, what anxiety you might have in your life right now, we have to constantly remind ourselves that God is able to do more than we can ask, think, or imagine in our lives. So what is your perspective? It's not that you won't feel the pain. It's not that it's not real, right? But you'll just start to perceive it differently. There's this thing called pain science. I don't know if you've ever heard about this or, or, or researched this, probably not. I don't know why you would. But uh, and there's one point that this article made that I thought was so interesting. And I'm gonna read it to you just straight off because it was very interesting to me. And it, it says that pain is an output of the brain, not an input from the body. It's an output of the brain, not an input from the body. 
This is the fundamental paradigm shift that has recently occurred in pain science. Pain is created by the brain, not passively perceived by the brain as a preformed sensation that arrives from the body. When a body part is damaged, nerve endings send a signal to the brain containing information about the nature of the damage. No pain is felt until the brain interprets this information and decides that pain would be a good way to encourage you to take action that will help you protect yourself and heal the damage. The brain considers a huge amount of factors in making this decision, and no two brains will decide the same thing. Remember that. Many different parts of the brain help process the pain response, including areas that govern emotions, past memories, and future intentions. Therefore, pain is not an accurate measurement of the amount of damage in an area. It is just a signal encouraging action. I want to go back to that where it says no two brains will process pain the same. You know somebody that has a high tolerance for pain? You know somebody, maybe you are one of those people. Do you have a high tolerance for pain, Alec? A little bit? Okay. Uh, if you do, maybe raise your hand in the comments, do a little uh, hand or something like that. If that's you, you have a high pain tolerance. I uh, am, and maybe they could do like, you step on a nail and it's like, it barely even affects them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like crazy. I, I'm not like that. Uh, you know, you could slap somebody in the face that has a high pain tolerance and they just like won't even flinch. But for me anyway, uh, if I'm laying in bed at night, and I have my phone. Have you ever done this before? When you're like laying in bed at night and you have like your, your phone and it's like, oh, it's too bright. And so you turn the brightness down and you're like doing this action and you're like holding it above your head and then you drop your phone in your head. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever done that before? Uh, you might as well call the ambulance, you know, because my, my nose is broken, y'all. Like I am bleeding somewhere. I must be bleeding, you know. I'm like going to the hospital because it hurts so bad. And my wife will attest to that, that I have a very low tolerance for pain. But I'm not like that at all. But I perceive pain differently than maybe this other person that, that can handle pain a little bit better. What if we as Christians started perceiving our pains differently? What if we started being those people that, that have a higher tolerance for pain? And, and it's not because it's not there, but instead of seeing pain as holding you back from your purpose, saying something like, oh man, like this isn't fair. Like, why is this happening to me? Like, where are you, God? Why, why are you allowing this to happen? Look what happened to me. Look at all that I've lost. Look at how much I hurt right now. And you're so inward focused about your pain thinking this isn't fair. This shouldn't be happening to me. Maybe we could start seeing some purpose in our pain. If you start to see purpose in your pain, the difficult thing that you're going through right now, like lifting weights might be there to give you some strength later on, right? That difficult thing that's going on in your life that you're worried about, that you're anxious about might actually be there to preserve your life later on. And also maybe, just maybe, that thing that's going on in your life right now, that pain that you feel that's real, that hurts, if you start to perceive it differently, you would see that it's actually there for you to bring life to somebody else the same way in labor and delivery. Maybe you could bring life to somebody else, preserve life, and maybe it will give you some strength. Let's start to perceive our pain differently and start to see purpose in your pain. Somebody say, there's purpose in it. Come on now, we gotta get some purpose in it. Yeah, pastor, but you don't know what I've been through. I get that. That's the first natural response to somebody that's been through something, right? You don't know what I've, what I've been through. The pain I feel, it's real. The pain that you feel, I know that it is real, but when you flip that perspective from God, why are you allowing this to God, how am I growing from this? 
I think you'll start to see that there's a freedom that you'll experience that in every bad situation, no matter what happens in your life, it won't be able to take you out because you have hope in Jesus. If you understand that, if you believe that, put some praise hands up in the comments. And, and the book of James actually has the right perspective on this. James 1, verses 2 through 4 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Man, consider it joy when you face trials because that's gonna produce perseverance in your life and help you to live an even better life than if you didn't have that pain in it. I know it sounds crazy, but that's how the kingdom of God works. It's always different than the way that we naturally think. There is purpose in it. The last one I have for you today is there's purpose in your mistakes. There is purpose in your mistakes. David, after he was king for a time, was taking a stroll on the, the roof of his palace, right? He was taking a break from war and he was taking a nice little stroll and he sees a woman bathing herself from afar and he asks a guard, hey, will you go figure out who this woman is? Finds out her name is Bathsheba, brings her into his quarters and he ends up sleeping with this woman. And even though he's discovered that she's the wife of Uriah, who was a warrior who was out fighting for the kingdom of Israel, she becomes pregnant and he says, uh-oh, right? So he calls Uriah home and he says, Uriah, why don't you come on back real fast? And so everybody will think that you got your wife pregnant. It'll be like an episode of Mari where they're like, who is the father? You got Uriah on one side, you got David on the other side. We have the DNA test and David, you are the father. And everyone freaks out, you know, anyway, uh, back, I, I just had to think of it that way. You know, I, I think of things differently when I read the Bible, y'all. Uh, let's get back to the word, all right? When that doesn't work, when the, the timing is, is kind of messed up and they realize like, okay, like something's going on here. David, we know it was you, all right? He tells Joab, the commander of the army, to have Uriah killed in battle. Uriah is killed and it seems like David's pulled off the perfect crime. He's done it. He's figured it out, right? He, he covered up his sin. He covered up the thing he did wrong. But there was this guy named Nathan who was a prophet of God and he ends up uh, knowing what David did and he prophesies to him some incredible things. And honestly, it was very harshly dealt with by Nathan. But how could this man, David, King David, who in the Bible is called a man after God's own heart, a man who wrote most of the Psalms that we read today, he wrote a lot of them, called a man after God's own heart. How could he be the same guy that is trying to pull off this heinous, heinous crime? In Psalm 32, there's, there's two instances where David actually addresses the sin that he made. Uh, this is one of them. I think the other one is Psalm 50. I can't remember exactly which one, but I do know in Psalm 32, verses three through four, David writes, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through the groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand, God's hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Man, his vitality was drained away and he felt God's hand heavy on him. Well before David is confronted by Nathan, okay, you can see obviously that, that David's sin was eating him alive. I mean, it really was eating him alive. He was guilty about it. You know, when you do something wrong, and it's really wrong, okay? 
and you know that people you don't want people to find out about it and so you try to cover that thing up i think all of us have done that at some point in our lives where you just try to hide it you don't want anybody to know about it and you just get that pit feeling in your stomach i think that's what david is saying here he just had that pit feeling in his stomach he knew that god was like not in the same place as he was and he he was separating himself from god through his sin and he knew that he was covering this thing up and that he needed to come clean with it but he wasn't doing it he wasn't doing it But in the next verse, right after that, he says, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. You forgave the guilt of my sin. I wanna submit to you today that your biggest mistakes are just the setup for God's biggest miracles. I'm gonna say that again. Your biggest mistakes are just the setup for God's biggest miracles. You might be saying, well, it's impossible for me to come back from what I've done. I can't come back from this sin that I have in my life. I can't come back from this mistake. I've gone too far. Maybe a young person out there, you might say, I, I went all the way before marriage and I wasn't pure and, and I lost my, my purity and, and I don't know how to come back from that. I feel dirty. Maybe you, you've gone too deep in drugs and alcohol or, or you've left your family, whatever it might be. You might feel just very, very far away from God, but can I say on the flip side of that, that God is a God of the impossible. He is a God of second chances. And no matter how far that you have gone, God has a place for you at the table and in the family of God. He has a seat for you. And it is by grace that we are all saved. He is a God of the impossible. And I'm so excited because on Vision Sunday, you're going to hear a powerful story about a couple in our church that was addicted to drugs. The husband was in gangs, went to prison. She was living on the streets. And now they're serving God with everything that they have. And they're reaching out to the homeless community. They're serving every Sunday. And man, I'm so excited for you to see the story of this amazing couple. Uh, If you guys are watching right now, you know who you are. Why don't you go ahead and put in the comments uh, that God has saved you so people can see. Hello, Casey and Aaron. What's up, guys? You're gonna hear their story next week. And I'm so pumped for Vision Sunday. In Psalm 51, 13, It says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. What is he saying? He's saying that now because I've been through something, I can help somebody else that is sinning. I can help somebody else that's maybe been through something similar and teach them the ways of God. And that's exactly what Casey and Aaron are doing. That's exactly what so many of us are doing, all of us. We can help others come out of their sin and into a beautiful, wonderful relationship with Jesus. Grace gives purpose to your mistakes. That's what the grace of God does. Did God want David to sin against him? Well, of course not. There's no way that God wanted that to happen. But the beauty of grace is that instead of David having to live in shame for the rest of his life, he was able to go to God, ask for forgiveness, find that forgiveness from the Father, get some grace from him, and be able to help others find God as well. When you give your life to Jesus, you're no longer dominated by your mistakes. You're covered by his grace. You're covered by his grace, no matter what your mistake is. It's by God's grace that we've all been saved, not by our works. There's nothing you can do to earn the grace of God. There's no amount of good works that can get you into heaven. 
No amount of good works that can save your soul. It's only by Jesus who came down to die on the cross for you to become a substitute for all the sin that we have in our lives. He was the perfect, sinless sacrifice that died on the cross for you and for me so that our mistakes wouldn't define us. But God's grace is what defines us. Even though there's some areas where you're gonna fail, there's purpose in those mistakes. Why? Because when you come out on the other side, people can say, you know what? I, I remember what you guys went through. I remember the situation in your life and how far from God that you were. There's no way that you could have come out of this had it not been for God. And that is what gives God glory. And that's how there is purpose even in your biggest mistakes. Somebody say, there's purpose in it. There's purpose in it. Come on. So today to respond as we close, I just want to ask or say, when you don't know Jesus, you know, your whole life is about finding Jesus. When you don't know him, that is your purpose is just simply to find Jesus. That's the first thing that you have to do. But when you find Jesus, your whole life is now about serving Jesus and helping others find him and doing what David did. Even though he had some mistakes, he was able to help others through some of that stuff. At the end of the day, we realize David did, and I hope you do too, is that it's not about us. And I think that's the problem we have with purpose is that we're always thinking, what is my purpose, right? What is the thing that I need to do? I think that God's calling me to do. And while there are specific things that I do believe God will call each and every one of you to, I think our greater purpose is just to serve God. It's all about God and his purpose for your life, not about what you want for your life because God's plans are better than any plans that you and I could come up with. And so I would hope that we would remember that. It's all about God. So there's purpose in it. The first thing is that there's purpose in your waiting. Maybe you're in a season of waiting right now and, and you feel like that you're trying to get to that next thing. You're trying to get to that next step of your purpose. I'd encourage you to do the last thing that God told you. Do that last thing and just be faithful wherever you're at. If that means you're coming to Radical Church and you're trying to get involved in a community of people, man, just be faithful here to Radical Church. If you wanna go somewhere else, just be faithful there. It doesn't matter where you go, but get plugged in to someplace. In your relationships, really, really be faithful in those, right? In your job, be faithful in it. Do the best you can. Why? Because when you go from job to job, you don't have seniority anymore, right? Maybe that's why you're not moving up in the world is because you keep skipping around from job to job. You're going from relationship to relationship and you can never gain seniority at your job to be able to move up. Maybe you can never gain trust with people because you keep going from relationship to relationship. Stick with something for a while and I guarantee maybe you might find some purpose in it until God opens another door. The next one is pain. There's purpose in that pain that you feel. Flip your perspective on pain so that we're not feeling pain. Yes, it's gonna be there. Yes, we're gonna feel it, but we're gonna have hope in Jesus knowing that he has overcome the world and that he can help us through any pain that we have. And let's try to see it from a perspective of purpose. The last one is mistakes. We've talked about that. No matter what you've been through today, I wanna encourage you. God has a plan for you and he wants a relationship with you today. Maybe you don't know God. You're on here, you're a first-time guest. You haven't been to church in a long time. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. You could be any one of these people. But if you feel like that God is speaking to you through this message today, and, and, and you wanna ask for some prayer for any of these things, it, it could be literally 
trying to find purpose, trying to see your pain differently, trying to get over some mistakes and some sin in your life, or maybe you feel like you're in that season of waiting and you wanna see what God has for you in the right here, right now, or maybe you understand that you are a sinner, you're far from God and you need to get back into a relationship with him, or maybe you've never had a relationship with God before. If you want prayer for any of those things, you can type it in the comments right now. You can put your hand up. You don't even have to say what it is. You can say, pray for me. Put your hand up in the comments. And, I, and we will have some people right now in the comments. I want our church uh, go in and start praying for one another in the comments. That is the community that we want to see. Pray for each other. Type out a prayer literally right now in the comments and do that. Uh, and if you want to give your life to Jesus, if that's a decision you want to make today, it's simple. You don't have to do anything special. You just, you just say yes to Jesus in your heart. That's all you have to do. And if you're saying yes to him, you're rededicating your life, would you just type grace in the comments? Just type grace. Why? Because it is his grace that does it for you. It's not what you did. It has nothing to do with how good or bad you are. It's all about how good God is. So type grace in the comments and we will follow up with you. Uh, we'll be able to send you a message if you do type grace in the comments and we'll follow up with you. We'll pray with you. We'll give you some resources to help you in your new walk with Jesus. We wanna be able to encourage you in that way. And lastly, if you have given your life to Jesus today or recently, I wanna encourage you with your next step. So those of you that are saying yes to Jesus right now, or maybe those of you that have been uh, saying yes to him recently at our services, I wanna encourage you with your next step. And that is water baptism. To get baptized, okay? We're gonna be able to baptize people on Vision Sunday next week. And it is a absolute party, okay? I'm telling you, I already know maybe one or two people that wanna get baptized. But if that's you and you have made a decision for Jesus, even Jesus himself was baptized. So it is very important for us. It doesn't save you, but it is just a public declaration of what God has done within you. And so we wanna make sure that you have the opportunity to tell people and go public with your faith in Jesus. So just type baptize me in the comments there. And we will once again get with you uh, in a message later on today and help you, encourage you, give you next steps, help you to get ready for baptism coming up this Sunday at Vision Sunday at Radical Church. So I wanna pray for all of you right now. Maybe you've had some prayer requests in the comments today and I just wanna take a moment to, to go to God and let him give you that purpose. If you're saying yes to him today, just pray along with us. Ready? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this time that we have been able to come together and that you, have, you are giving us purpose right now. People might have been feeling like they're waiting for their purpose or, or maybe they have pain in their life. They feel like they can't get past to get to their purpose or maybe they have mistakes and they feel far from you and that's why they don't have purpose. God, I pray right now that you would flip our perspective to your perspective on what our purpose is, is simply to find you and really more importantly for you to find us. And then so that we can honor you, that we can serve you and we can help others do the same. God, would you give those specific words to people though, specific things that they need to hear, their vision for 2021 that, that you have for them. God, would you start to drop those things in their spirit right now in the name of Jesus, help them to, to feel like they have purpose, that they have hope, that they have life. We're not gonna be stuck in fear. We're not gonna be stuck in worry and anxiety anymore, but we're going to step into all that you have for us this year in 2021. God, for those that are saying yes to you for the first time, would you just absolutely show them your love in this next season of their lives as they're going through this new season of honoring you and serving you, that you would help us as a church to connect them as well. And Father, we just thank you for everything that you've done. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen.